amazing song, Emmanuel. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, sometimes we just start singing Christmas songs, and we don't even really think about really what they mean sometimes. Like that song, Emmanuel. We sing it on the radio. We maybe hear it. We hear people sing it. But when you actually discover what the meaning of that word is, it's really kind of interesting because Emmanuel comes from a Greek word, which means Emmanuel. Amazing. But what's really cool about it is what that name actually means, and it means God with us. Now, there's a lot of people, and maybe you're here today, and you're not a believer in Jesus. You're not even a churchgoer. You like, you just came for a friend, or they said, hey, there's this thing going on. And I don't want to uh, really force anything on anybody, but I do want to have a conversation with you just for a minute, because I want to explain that Emmanuel, but I also want to help us set up the dance that's about ready to happen. Because it talks about how all this took place. And that says in Matthew 1.23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Now that's an interesting thought. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. The Bible actually tells us in Matthew what they just sang about. Sometimes we sing songs and it's about Rudolph. has nothing to do biblically, but then other Christmas songs are all about what the season that we heard from Grinch in the very, very beginning is all about. It's not boxes and bows. It's, it's actually about the story of Jesus. So let's just read a little bit since it is almost Christmas. What do we got? One, two, three more days. Three more days till Christmas. I know some of you have been counting it. You didn't need me to add it up for you. But it says actually in the book of Luke, which is uh, the third book in the New Testament of the Bible, it says in Luke 1.28, it says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, how many know if an angel shows up, that would make you confused and disturbed just a little bit, right? Like there's an angel that suddenly just appears in front of you. And so that would be an awe moment. But then it says, don't be afraid. So he comforts her. Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. But then verse 34, it says, Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. So she was expecting. Mary suddenly was a virgin, and now the angel's telling her, you're going to be expecting. You're going to be with child. And a little bit later in another chapter, chapter 2, the story continues, which we're more familiar with, with the Christmas story and the nativity scenes. It says in Luke 2, 6, and so it was that while they were there, they were talking about the shepherds, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, swaddling is interesting. I've never really paused and go, I wonder what swaddling clothes are. Well, swaddling is actually strips of linen, and they would carry it with them wherever they would travel because sometimes as they would travel through the desert and different places in that part of the world, many people wouldn't make the trip, and they would pass away. And so they would have strips of linen because when Jesus was actually uh, uh, put in the grave, they, they wrapped him with strips of linen called swaddling. 
And so it's interesting that Jesus, when he was born into this world, was actually wrapped in swaddling. In other words, he was born to die. And he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and they made them all bundly like this. And then they laid him in a manger. Now, a manger is not a barn. I was raised in the Midwest. I know what a barn is. And a manger is actually what you would feed your cattle and your pigs and your sheep. You would put feed in the manger, and then they would go and eat from that. So the baby that was born from Mary was wrapped in uh, swaddling clothes and then laid in a feed trough. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a glorious entry as the Son of God. Right, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking like, you know, trumpets and red carpet, like he is the son of God, or a purple carpet. But instead, he's born in a barn and laid in a manger. And this is what the Bible talks about. And then it says in, in uh, verse 10, it says, And the angel said unto them, the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, great, good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord, and sh this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, this is what the angel told to the shepherds and the wise men, that when they travel, they'll find this baby that has been born wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, I find it interesting that that angel also went to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby. And then time has passed, and she gives birth to the baby, and an angel goes and tells these guys, hey, you're going to go to this place, and you're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, if you're here today, and you've maybe struggled with the whole Bible thing, or God thing, or the story of Jesus thing. Now, we know it's Christmas, but you know, you can dismiss the whole Jesus part of it real easy and just make it all about Santa Claus and gifts, because we do that with other holidays as well. But... I can kind of understand a little bit how maybe people would be a little bit like challenged by this whole story because I really want to believe that most people want this to be true, but I don't really understand when people don't have the concept of believing that it could be true. In other words, I don't believe it's true is different than I don't want it to be true. Because if you don't believe it's to be true, then you can get more information, you can, you can grow in it, you can learn more about it, and then you can become a believer in what you believe. But if you don't want it to be true, then that's a little bit hard for me to comprehend. And when I was younger, I began to search a little bit more because I would think that most people would want to find out if there's a possibility that this could be true, to, to seek and find a little bit more information because, I, I, I mean, I, I get it a little bit like... A baby born of a virgin by a spirit. I mean, that to our intellect could seem a little bit challenging. Actually, there's a guy, an old dude, 17th century philosopher, Blaise Pashal. He said this, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs uh, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. I thought that was interesting. Because there's a lot of people who don't find church attractive. They don't find spiritual things attractive. They don't find religion attractive. And I want to raise my hand and say, that's me. I don't find church attractive. I don't find religion attractive. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's, there's got to be more than maybe what the American church has shown people. And maybe you're not into church or religion or spiritual things. And, and I get that. I really do. And some people say, I'm, I'm not sure I can believe that Holy Spirit that 
came upon a virgin, and, and, and I get that. I really do. But, but here's some things I discovered. What blows my mind is that not only did this angel come and tell this virgin, young girl, teenager, that she would have a baby, but it actually happened 40 weeks later. So then I go, well, it's a little hard to understand how the Holy Spirit came upon a human being and she conceived. But it actually happened, and she actually had a baby. So then some would doubt and say, well, no, but really it was a cover-up. Because Joseph probably had premarital sex with her, and she was probably conceived. And so this is probably a cover-up. And they said, oh, no, the Holy Spirit, the ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost did this. And you could even put that aside and say, well, maybe it happened that way, and this is just all a cover-up. But then I have to go, but yeah, but then why did those angels go to the wise men and the shepherds, and why did they travel all those miles to go and worship a boy if it was just a boy? And why did King Herod, who was the king of the time, why did he put a decree out in all the land and say any boy, not girls and boy, any boy under the age of two was to be taken out? And since we have a few kids in the crowd, I'll just say taken out. Now, what is so special about this boy that the king, not knowing which one it is, just says, kill them all? Then that makes me go, well, then maybe there's a little more to this Jesus thing and the Holy Spirit than maybe I've given account for. You know what I'm saying? And so I wrestled with this a little bit. Maybe it's because it's not something I can intellectually understand because it's a supernatural miracle thing. Like this same baby boy that we read about that I just read in Luke, it's the same baby boy Jesus that later in life is the same guy who turns water into wine. He's the same guy that feeds 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He's the same guy that heals people. He's the same guy that caused a dead person for three days to be resurrected. So it's like, wow, that guy that was born of this Virgin Mary that they said was by the Holy Spirit, maybe he is the Son of God to do these things. So in this dance we're about to see, it's going to tell the story that we just read about the amazing miracle where God sent his son Jesus to be born in a manger. Oh, what a great job they did dancing the story of Jesus. Amazing. Give them a hand one more time. Now, even the narration in the dance right there said it was an unexpected thing that happened. And I imagine with Mary... Uh, that was the case. It was very unexpected to have that angel show up and say, hey, you're going to have a, bo- a baby. And it's not only going to be any baby, it's going to be God's baby, the Savior of the world, Jesus. It was an unexpected gift. And even tonight, we had three people with a golden ticket. We got an unexpected gift at just this right moment. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I received an unexpected gift that made me cry. I was an 11-year-old boy. And I received a signed autograph by the Hall of Fame quarterback from the Dallas Cowboys, Roger Staubach. And uh, yeah, yeah, that'll happen. That just happens when you say those names. 
But uh, if you don't know, if you're too old for that, he was like the guy before, before, before. And uh, he was just a great quarterback. But when I was an 11-year-old boy growing up in the Midwest, farm country, like the Dallas Cowboys, that was kind of the, the team. And so when I got that, now maybe, maybe my dad signed his name and it was really, you know, but I, I don't really know. But I thought it was like the real deal. And, and maybe it was the real deal. I don't really know. But uh, how, how many football fans we got here on this? Uh... See, whenever you ask football, there's always the grunts that go with it. If you ask how many NHL hockey players, nobody grunts. NBA, nobody grunts except for uh, Cam Newton, who's with us today. Um, if you're a football guy, you'll get that. But um, anyway, uh, imagine if you would, if I was able to predict the Super Bowl. Now, you're all going to say today, like the Cowboys are going to win. They'll be in the playoffs. They'll go to the Super Bowl because you, 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 you struggle with denial. But if I was to predict who was going to be in the Super Bowl, that would be pretty amazing. But let's take it up a notch. What if I was to predict the two teams that will be in the Super Bowl, the final score of the Super Bowl, and the winning team exactly? Now, that would be pretty amazing. And if you're a gambling type person, you'd want my phone so that you could get that information whenever it came down, right? But imagine this. Let's take it up even a notch, 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 notch. Imagine this if... 700 years from now, football is still a sport, and it is still as popular, if not more popular, than it is right now. What if 700 years from now, I could name the two teams that would be in the Super Bowl, and name the winner of the Super Bowl, and the exact score of the winning Super Bowl team 700 years from now? Now, the Bible calls that a prophet. That would be pretty amazing. What's crazy is it actually happened in the Bible. The Bible references the book of Isaiah, and it says in Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity or the sins of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and a sheep before his shears is, uh, is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah prophes prophesied this exact story of Jesus 700 years before it actually happened. He actually described the occurrence that he would take stripes on his back. That's exactly what happened when he took 39 stripes across his back for our healing. He prophesied and declared this about Jesus. Now, what's interesting is it's the same Jesus that was born of Mary that we just saw in the dance. So I can wrestle in my intellect and mind that how is the Holy Spirit supposed to get a virgin girl pregnant? But what I can't understand intellectually, I can believe spiritually. And maybe you struggle with that, but I just want to encourage you today, what are you expecting? Like someday, we won't all be here, what are you expecting to happen on the other side? 
Because to not think about that or make plans for the other side before the other side happens, I don't think any of us are that shallow. We would all, I believe, be smart enough to investigate and to find out if there is an eternity, where am I going? Have I made that decision? And if Jesus, according to the Bible, is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, then it would do me well to search that out. Now, at Christmas time, we all have expectancy. Some of us want the new latest technology. Some of us want a new pair of socks, mostly dads. Uh, but some of us want some other cool things. But at Christmas time, there's different things that we expect. Everybody has something that we expect. But here's the thing. If someone comes to give you a Christmas gift, you don't go, no, 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 no. Don't give me a gift. I don't deserve it. No, 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 don't give me a gift. You don't know what I've done this year. <laughs> no, don't give me. But see, people don't give you a gift. Sorry. People don't give you a gift because of what you've done. And they don't give you a gift because of what you've done this year. They give you a gift because you're family. They give you a gift because they're generous. They give you a gift because they love you. It's not based on what you've done that you get a Christmas gift. It's based on who you are. And we always try to disqualify ourselves. But here's the cool thing. God gave the world the greatest gift, not because of what any of us have done, because we've all messed up. But he gave us the greatest gift because he sees us as family, he loves us, and he's a generous God. But we always disqualify ourselves. We say, no, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't get that. But no one is. And who are we to say that we're worse than someone else when Jesus just came to give us life? Now, every home generally has like this Christmas tree, like we have, we have the twins. We have this one and this one uh, this year. We have twin Christmas trees, and it's kind of like the grace of God. Now, Santa Claus is totally different. Santa's got his naughty and nice list. Have you been good or bad? In other words, to get something from Santa, it seems like there's an expectation of what kind of person you are. But it's interesting with God, he's not like that. God's a God of grace. He's like, ah, I'm not really interested in what kind of person you are, but I am interested in who you can become. And that's the difference with Jesus. And so we have these Christmas trees, and I want to just, if you would go with me with this, is when I was uh, a boy, I would go with my dad, and we would go out, and uh, of course, there was a forest where we lived, and, and he used to climb these REA poles, he called them, the, you know, the telephone poles and the poles that go way up, and he had all the equipment to do that. And so we would go out into the forest, and he would put on all of his equipment with these spikes right here, and he would, he would climb up these trees. It was amazing. And he would get all the way up to the top, and then all of a sudden, you would hear this. And it was the saw, and he was hand sawing. You know, a little hard to take a chainsaw up there. So he was hand sawing a treetop off of a tree in the forest way up at the top. And then he would say, move out of the way. And all of a sudden, this tree would come falling from the top of this uh, giant, giant pine tree in the forest. And, would, and then we would load it up into our farm truck and we would take it to the house and we would set it up just like this. Now, most trees, that's where they come from, of course. And today with uh, everything, we have fake trees. But the tree was is made of wood. And it's interesting because the cross is also of wood. So the tree represents the cross that Jesus was hung on. And we always decorate it with these ornaments. And ornaments, the ornament represents Jesus. 
Jesus was humanity's ornament that was hung upon the wooden tree because of the beauty of what he was about to go through for you and for me, even though it was bloody. And then we have lights that are always on a tree, and Jesus was the light of the world. And if you have the light in you, there is no darkness. But then under every Christmas tree, there's always a gift. The gift is a present, and it's wrapped. In other words, you don't really know what's inside, but there's like this faith step that you sort of have to take to go, I wonder what's inside if it's for me. The troubling thing is, even though people have heard this for years, some people never take the gift. And the gift is eternal life and salvation with Jesus in heaven. And even though we've heard about God, and even though we've heard about Jesus, there's something inside people, whether they were hurt or offended by God or think God should have done something different or they view God as this big guy up in, the, up in heaven that's just going to whack them if they do something wrong. But the Bible says nothing about God being like that. The Bible actually says God is a God of love. He is love. And so we view God in a different way, almost the way humanity would think and what we think humans would be like, but God's not like that. And God sent his son Jesus. He hung on a tree like an ornament. He is the light of the world, and his gift is salvation, and all we have to do is receive the gift. Just like when someone comes to you and says, hey, I got this gift for you, he doesn't judge you. He just wants you to have the gift. The greatest gift of all is Jesus Christ. The greatest gift. I wanted, if you would do me a favor today, if we could just pray. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, you're like, oh, I hear this story every year at Christmas. Yeah, I know, but have you ever made it true to yourself? Has it ever become real to you? Because it became real to me, even though I had gone to church and did all the stuff, there's more to it than the process of church. There's actually a reality of a relationship with God that he wants to have with all of us. He wants to have with you. I don't care how many times you've rejected God. I don't care how many times you've messed up. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on the gift inside. And will you take the faith step and open it up and say, I'll just receive this. If God meant this for me, if he went through all of this for me, who am I to reject it and say, I'm not worthy. I'm going to embrace it and thank him for the gift of eternal life. Let's all pray this prayer, if you would. Everybody just pray it out loud just as an expression of your faith. Just say, Father God, I thank you for your son Jesus coming to earth. Father, I thank you that he went to the cross for me, shed his blood for me. I choose today to receive him as my Lord and Savior. I accept the gift of Jesus in my life. I thank you, God, today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now today, if you'd do me a favor, if you prayed that prayer maybe for the very first time and you really meant it in your heart, uh, at the back of our auditorium as you exit and go out and get pictures with Santa Claus and get hot chocolate, we have two uh, Christmas green, lime green tables. We have a little fresh start kit there for you. We'd love to get that into your hands and help you on your journey uh, with God and just encourage you to walk this out. We have a lot of wonderful things happening here at Generations Church, and we'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing. And we're just excited today to come and share uh, this Christmas in My City uh, event with you. And I just want to encourage you. So if you would all stand, we're going to close today with a Christmas song where we're all going to sing together.
Uh, I think most of you will know this. You've heard it probably 50 times by now on the radio or in the shopping malls. I do want to say a special thank you to our production team, our singers, our dancers, and everybody that participated. All the people that are out in the lobbies and everywhere that are doing great things and uh, helping do all of this. And we're going to have uh, another experience at 1130 today and then tonight at 630. You're welcome to come back and invite some people to come. We're just excited for all the things that uh, we're doing today here at Christmas in my city.